Adam Chief Justice, I want to pick up, uh, Aisha I know has questions on gender, but before that, I want to pick up on this question of ex parte judgments because I think you rightly cautioned against the handing out of them too frequently. But of course, there are cases when they are warranted. I think in practice, what we have found is the risk of non-disclosure. So, you know, a, a judge is essentially misled mm. by, the, by the advocate who hasn't taken sufficient care to make all material facts known to the judge and effectively misleads the judge. I wonder whether, whether the judiciary has thought about sanctioning lawyers who behave in that practice in order to discourage frivolous applications uh, for ex parte orders. Yes, you are right. Um, there's a lot of uh, misinformation, misrepresentation, uh, shortchanging, and I think judges and magistrates are becoming very aware because you might be misread in one case, so the next case your antennas will be high uh, to realize in this day and age when it is so easy to serve the other side electronically because, you know, we have embraced e-filing, uh, e-service, it is very easy to get the other side. Even if they are in the other side of the world, uh, you can get them within hours and they can be able to come to court quickly. So what we are encouraging is that we realize out of maybe 1,000 cases, one of them may deserve an expert order to hold on to some action that may interfere with the substantive justice of the matter or remove the substratum of the case from the justice, from the seat of justice. Uh, because if um, there is an order to demolish the Supreme Court and it is not stopped, and the Supreme Court is demolished, then what are we going to right. be? There's nothing left to fight about. There's nothing left to fight. So there are those rare cases where the judge is actually given the power and the discretion to issue the order, but very sparingly. Because also, you can call the other side and quickly get onto a Zoom meeting, a Zoom hearing, and here, basically, the other side establish some basic facts about the case. Yeah, so technology is also helping us a lot. Yeah, and ease of communication. Yes. Thank, thank you. Um, Madam CJ, um, one of the reasons we're so excited to be interviewing you today is you are first female Chief Justice. Uh, we hope you are the first in a long line um, and that you are setting, you're going to set a really high bar. I, I was just wondering, you've been a career judge. Did you ever envisage when you joined the judiciary that you would end up at the head of it at one point in time? Was that an aspiration of yours or did that develop over time? Um, first of all, I think I'm absolutely privileged to have been given this opportunity by Kenyans uh, to serve them as the first female chief justice. What I can assure you is that I will not be the last. <laughs> I may be the first, but I will not be the last. Looking at what is happening, the number of women lawyers who are joining the profession, 
uh, who are joining the judiciary, the number of senior women judges that we have, the passion, the energy, the enthusiasm to work in the judiciary. I am very confident that I will not be the last. So um, this is an opportunity of a lifetime because I have so many people who follow me, especially young women, uh, people who grew up in the same circumstances like I did. I grew up in the village. Um, my parents were peasant uh, farmers. We had no income, but just grew food to eat and they sold the rest to argument for what we needed to buy with the money. We did not come from a money economy, but they had the, 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 the insight that I, you know, we must go to school. All of us were taken to school and I went to school. I never, never imagined that I would be the chief justice. I lived day by day doing the best with whatever God put in my hands. When I practiced law, I defended the marginalized, the women and children. They are the ones who brought me to these corridors of justice. I joined FIDA because I felt there was a gap in our law. Uh, women and children were not catered for. So we needed to have a solid voice speaking for the rights of women and children. Therefore, we advocated for gender equality at FIDA, law reform, constitutional reform, so that we can eliminate discrimination and get women to participate fully and to realize their full potential. So I participated in a lot of law reform, the Children Act 2001, the constitutional reform. I was uh, an active member of the Law Society, serving in the Council of the Law Society. I didn't know what this was going to lead me to, but I think God has very good plans for us. One thing added to another, I found myself as a judge of the high court, sitting in the family division, the very division where I was uh, appearing to ask for rights for children and women. Now I'm the one to make those orders. And from the family division, trying to see how we can expedite cases for families developing a checklist that enabled litigants to come to court and without being told today bring the ID, tomorrow bring the death certificates. So we consolidated the practice and made it easier and more expedient for people to come to the family division and get their letters of administration. Because the family division is a place where people come when they are hurting. It's either divorce, a marriage has gone in wire. It's about the issue of custody of children, uh, wife and husband fighting over the custody. It is about bereavement. They have lost a loved one and they are coming over the property. So that's a, a division that requires sensitivities and to deal with the people with the empathy. I served in the family division for three years, then I was posted to Nakuru. In Nakuru, I was the 
resident judge. Anakuru was a huge jurisdiction. We didn't have a court in Naivasha. We didn't have a high court in Narok. We didn't have in um, Kita, Kiricho. So it's just the three of us working the whole of that uh, huge jurisdiction. But we were able to work and start court users committees, realizing that uh, in the delivery of justice, you can never succeed alone unless you work with the stakeholders. And that's where at uh, Nakuru, we piloted for the first time the court user committee, which is now part of the judiciary. Very well established. Very yes. well established. And uh, luckily now for the constitution, that is a forum where we do public participation because we need to hear from the people we serve. How are we serving them? We also need to come together as agencies that are in the service delivery of justice. The DPP, the AG, the Law Society, the Children's Department, Social Department, Probation, to come together and say, how are we serving Kenyans? What are the challenges? What are the policy issues we need to address? What are the hindrances? And that from the court user is cascaded to the National Council on the Administration of Justice that I now chair as the CJ. So what I'm trying to say, it is just those little things that I was doing, handing together, because from Nakuru, I also went to Kitare, uh, you know, where I started mobile courts um, in that region, as a single, one woman judge serving the whole of that area, the border of Uganda, the border of South Sudan and Ethiopia. Witnesses were coming from the north, Rokichogyo, um, Rokicha, all that area coming to Kitare. Then we decided, no, let's have a mobile court in uh, Kakuma and we go to them. And now, you know, the mobile courts are a system that we are now using uh, to reduce the distances and uh, serve people. So, when I was interviewed for this position, I believe I was able to say this is my good work of experience <laughs> as a lawyer, practicing as a judge, working for 18 years, traversing from Marindi to Rokichogyo to Nyeri to Mirimani, uh, you know, yes, the breadth a, of the country. Yes. And I think they were That's... convinced <laughs> that uh, they can give me a chance. Yes. Yeah. And we so are glad they did. We are glad they did. <laughs> wonderful. Yesterday, in preparing for this interview, I yesterday was watching an interview by, in fact, the last interview by Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yes. And she was asked when she would be satisfied, at what number she would be satisfied with women on the on the Supreme Court, and her answer was nine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because yeah. the men have been nine right. for a long exactly. time. Exactly. So until so the that women was her are nine. Exactly. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, uh, Madam Jesus, I want to move, and we ha we have just a few minutes left to resource allocation. You already alluded, I think, this morning you were at the parliamentary committee explaining the 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 the, 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 um, the needs of the judiciary, um, and we know that we're entering very difficult economic times, right? Uh, where money is tight, uh, debt, the country's debt is spiraling, and so on and so forth. So. I don't want to get into that debate because we might be there for another one hour talking yeah. about how to split the cake. Um, what I would like to ask is about technology, 
right? And how you see technology as an enabler of efficiency and therefore of um, cost reduction or cost efficiency. What can we expect to see from the judiciary uh, in the next two or three years in the arena of technology? Um, we have to upscale the technology that we have. Um, we are now uh, having he fighting. Uh, parties or advocates can file their pleadings without having to come to the registry. We are also having virtual hearings, uh, especially in civil matters, uh, in most of the courts. Uh, the other day, as you know, even the advocates practicing certificate is now being yes, processed. It's come online. out online, yes. Before you'd have to fill in the form, pay the money, then send your clerk here so many times before you get your practicing certificate. We've now gone online. We are also discussing an online platform where Kenyans can log in and register their complaints. Uh, we hope we can even have artificial intelligence that can be able to process that. Well, on that, Madam uh, Chief Justice, can I just say that, in, again, in preparing for this interview, I went to Chat GBT. Yes. And I asked it. I said, I am interviewing uh, Chief Justice Martha Kome. Yes. What question should I ask her about the state of the Kenyan judiciary? And it gave me uh, a list of extremely cogent questions. Yes. Some of which are the questions I'm posing to you <laughs> <laughs> right now. I was amazed at the quality of the answer yes. that, uh, that it gave me. Yes. Yeah. So that, those are all opportunities that are coming with the technology on how we can be efficient in uh, embracing technology as an enabler. Also, the other day we were hearing a matter and the litigant was sitting in Marindi uh, on their little device. I think it's a smartphone. And they were able to log in, make their submissions. I think this old man was not believing, but he also got a judgment on his smartphone. He couldn't believe it. So technology is the way to go. We will require resources uh, because, of course, uh, we know everybody is struggling for this very small kick, uh, which is the, the overall budget for the country. But the, the services we are rendering are very critical uh, for the sustenance of our economy because this economy requires commercial justice, they require us to ensure there is safety and security for everybody. So what we are urging is that everybody understands the centrality of the rule of law. And that's why I believe you have established this academy to foster the understanding of the rule of law by our students and anybody else who wants to run. Uh, because I think it's also very empowering when people know the law and know their rights and know the avenues they have in case their rights are violated. 
Yes. Thank you, Madam Chairman. I saw a sign that said one minute. I think it said three, in fact. <laughs> so I just borrow because I would like to ask you one more, one, one last question. Not from the chat GDP. Not from chat This is my own question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, we, I think we can't avoid discussing uh, corruption in Kenya. Okay. Uh, it's not avoidable. And I always say to people that the, the, the judiciary is a, is a part of Kenya, like every other aspect and institution in Kenya. How would you characterize the state of transparency, accountability, and corruption in the judiciary? So I don't want to make any comment on it. I'd rather you cast a comment on your sense of the state of transparency, accountability, and corruption. Uh, and what practically do you think we in the profession can do uh, to um, enhance uh, and eliminate, well, to eliminate and reduce the um, prevalence of corruption? Yes, thank you very much for that question. Uh, because I think the enemy within us, the elephant in the room always, is corruption. And we have to deal with it. How can the legal profession deal with corruption? First of all, they stop being the purveyors, the ones who deliver bribes to judges and to magistrates. They become ethical. Stand by the case you have. If the case has no reg, stop going behind to see how to give it a reg. It's not your case. You know? And even if you corrupt one court, let's say you corrupt a magistrate, I don't think you'll be able to corrupt a judge. And even if you succeeded to corrupt a judge, I don't think you managed to corrupt three in the Court of Appeal. Even if you managed with the wildest imagination that you can actually reach three judges. You're not manage five. So you are wasting your time. Because for me, because I'm a woman of faith, justice flows like a river. Even if you put an obstacle, it will go over it. And eventually justice will be done because justice belongs to God. And justice will be done. So... Uh, we have to eliminate corruption because it's not sustainable. Uh, if somebody is taking a bribe, they should know it's not sustainable. Even if somebody came and said, or I am a judge, I tell somebody, give me a bribe, but don't tell anybody. They are cheating themselves. People are not happy to give a bribe because they know they should not be giving a bribe. So why should we ask Kenyans to give a bribe? They have paid the taxes that pay us. We are so privileged to have a pay slip when Kenyans are struggling. So why would you ask them to go in their pocket and give something else? So it is for us to shun the practice of bribery, corruption, or whatever name we may give it. And then we have these institutions we have put in place. For instance, my office has a complaint mechanism uh, uh, unit, the ombudsperson of the judiciary. And as I was telling you, we are about to launch a public portal where people can 
log in and uh, register their complaints. And we are taking those complaints very seriously, especially of corruption. Judicial Service Commission is there to discipline and hear these matters. So if anybody is taking a shortcut in their professional life, working in the judiciary and committing suicide of their career, it is the one who is engaging in bribery and corruption. It will definitely be cut short. It will not last. And for the Ranja corruption in the society, you know we have these institutions that are established in the Constitution, uh, the ethics and anti-corruption. We have the magistrate's court that is dealing with uh, corruption. We also have a high court division that deals with um, anti-corruption and economic crimes. Uh, so we have the laws also. I think Kenya has the best laws to fight corruption. At least I've had jurisdictions coming here to benchmark on our laws and the institutions that we have to fight corruption. We are probably struggling with the implementation of the laws and to establish these institutions, but I can assure you, <laughs> we will have to deliver to Kenyans. Thank you, Madam Chief Justice. And on, I think on that note, we have to end. We had a lot more questions for you, but we see this as an opportunity for us to come back on another day. Absolutely. When you've made more progress and track it. Um, yes. we, we thank you very much for your time today. And on behalf of Kenyans, you know, we are all invested in your success yes. as a judiciary. Yes. Because if there, if justice is something that you can buy, then it means for the rest of us, when we need it, we won't have it. So yeah. justice must be justice for all. Yeah. And we wish you all the best. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. So you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much thank for you. your time. Thank you. I appreciate thank it. You. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. yes.